associations in the data. And data is presented as uh, a database of item sets, transactions, database of transactions, many transactions each. Transaction is a set of items. Uh, like a shopping basket, what items have been uh, occurring together if somebody goes shopping, for example, or, or in some other kinds of data. So what things occur together? And we would like to find the associations between these item sets, with these two items. What can we say about some other item set? On the left-hand side, usually, uh, there is item set. You, Quite often on the right-hand set is enough to have just one item, but it could be more uh, items on the right-hand side. Based on the left-hand knowledge, can we say something about the right-hand side? Uh, and we said that the rule would be interesting if this would be somehow frequently observed in the data that item sets together with paper and beer how frequently they occur, if the support is high, we can observe this relationship often, right? We can observe these things together often. Uh, high support, and the second is that there has to be high confidence in the sense that now we compare uh, the transactions which have all the three elements to those that have the left-hand side only. Once you have detected the left-hand side, what you can say about the right-hand side? Uh, if you would do this implication or find this correlation, if these two things are together, then also that one occurs. So the confidence of this kind of move. Not only three things together frequently, but based on the left-hand side, what is the, somehow the strength of this implication? 
the confidence group. And in this case, uh, basically, three, uh, two uh, transactions have all of them together support is 40%. Uh, three times uh, left-hand side occurs, twice we observe also the, the right-hand side, so the confidence of this kind of verification would be 67%. And the saying is that we would like to find frequent and high confidence smooth. How to find all the frequent item sets, subsets of items that are frequent together, and what can we say about the confidence of such uh, rules? So in the association rule, binding usually we uh, set these two thresholds. Uh, it has to be frequent, high support. Support has to be larger than mean support. And confidence has to be larger than some minimum threshold that the user can set. Um, so assuming that you know, for example, you can say that in the, I'm interested in 1% frequency in all my data. 1% uh, of the shop goers have to have bought these items together, 1 in 100. Then you could list, okay, find me, list me everything that's more than 1% frequency and some minimum confidence that I can make at least 80% confidence <coughs> prediction. So how do we do? A brute force would be just list all the possible association rules, compute the support and confidence, you, you list every, generate every possible rule, then you go through the database, just count the support and frequency, and then exclude all those that are below the threshold. Right? What's the problem with this brute force approach? Slow. Slow. Um, okay. Can somebody immediately say how slow that would be? Sorry? Depends on how large the base. So, the computation prohib uh, of basically you will have, we would need to somehow identify every possible subset of items, right? So, what is the combinatorics? How many different subsets there is in the first place? And then also the, the left hand side, right hand side rules. We have this left hand side predict that right-hand side. Every possible subset to every other possible subset on the right-hand. Two to the n. Sorry? Two to the power of n. Uh, two to the power of uh, uh, dimensionality is the number of subsets. Yes. Present or not? Zero, one. Right? K times. Well, we, we will come to this. Yeah. Depends how, how we call them. But every item present or not, 0, 1, 0, 1, like 2 to the power of number of elements. So when we start mining uh, for these simple things, we have two clear goals. One, we have to be efficient, computational. And second, whatever comes out, we have to show the first page relevant, most relevant rule. There will be many. And we have to find somehow way to declare which ones are more relevant. The more relevant one have to be. We would we should avoid uh, 
statistically insignificant or spurious results, and, and uh, try to find the most surprising, most interesting, most useful uh, facts or, or rules. Uh, the same data, example of rules, left-hand side, right-hand side, all of these have the same three items, milk, beer, diapers, and then depends what is on the left, what is on the right. By definition, the support for all, all of them is the same. Right? All the three elements needed in the transaction, the support is the same 40%. But confidence can be different. In this case, from milk and beer, the diaper prediction is 100%. Once you have milk and beer, then you also buy a diaper. But, but this also indicates that we can separate the items of mining into two parts. Find, first, find all the uh, item sets that have high support. Just find item sets, subsets that are frequent. And then, once we have one, like in here, the triple that is frequent, then we can uh, generate every possible rule and calculate confidence on top of that. So we sort of take two-step approach, find the frequent item sets, generate every possible subset that is, uh, has high support, and the second uh, generate the rule. Um, we don't get rid of the uh, combinatorics in here. So generating every possible item set is combinatorial task. This example has eight possible items and seven transactions, but just for the number of items, you would say that every possible item set of eight <coughs> items is, is uh, present or not, two to the power of eight, right? Um, of course, you would immediately observe that the largest item sets have only five elements in them. So you would not have any item set with the size six, seven, or eight that would have any support in the data. So by the data-driven approach, we can eliminate some part of this computational complexity. We don't need to generate every possible two to the power of eight, uh, 256 item sets. There will be less. Uh, now, this is only for the frequent item sets. If you take into account what, what will be on the left-hand side and what is in the right-hand side, the rule, then on the left-hand side you will have any choice from one to dimension minus one uh, elements. In how many ways you can select k out of b on the left-hand side times how many ways you can select the right-hand side of the remaining elements. How many remains for particular k you select on the left-hand side, uh, d minus k remains to be used on the right-hand side, and any uh, item set from size 1 to d minus k, how many combinations do we use? And even in the case of just six possible items in the data, 
all the combinations for left-hand side times right-hand side, it would have 600 possible rules. <coughs> so this is the, uh, this grows, of course, exponentially in the number of, of uh, uh, items in the data. So uh, we are dealing with kind of combinatorial uh, search problem, and uh, every possible subset of items is possible. And how to think about this is in the terms of combinatorics, where we at least every possible subset in the lattice structure. Um, who of you have seen the, this kind of lattice before? Very few. So this represents one, two, three, four, five elements, items, and every possible subset made of five <coughs> items. The item set on the top is empty subset. No items present. In the first row, you have those that have exactly one item present. Exactly two items exactly three, four, and five. Exactly one item present is the same as exactly one item missing. So there is a symmetry. A and somewhere must be there one that has, has no A, that one, right? We have five choices. All the singleton choices are up there. All minus one are bottom in here. Select two or avoid two, yeah? So you have how many ways you can select two out of the five? This is all the combinations of this second, one, two, three, on the, on the third layer of this uh, lattice. Uh, for five, uh, this is how it looks like. For six, well, this will be growing, of course, very rapidly. It will become very fat, uh, this kind of lattice. But this is how you can think about this. Uh, is all the possible subsets. So out of all the possible subsets, what is our task? Our task is to find the frequent subsets, right? The subsets of elements that are frequent in our database. Frequent occurring in, in across all our transactions. And indeed, from the combinatorics, if we have five elements, and you can generate every possible subset by saying, is A present or not? Uh, 0, 1, 0, 1, so basically 2 times 2 times 2 times 2, 2 to the power of 5, in this case, uh, elements. Subsets, sorry. Uh, this kind of lattice just gives us some hint that we can uh, have some structure in our algorithms. Um, if we would be totally brute force, we would say that all of these are possible frequent item sets. And then we would uh, uh, go through the data, take the first item set, and mark, yes, it has this subset, it has that subset, it has this subset, of course it has this and this and this. Just add counter to each element, right? So have all the list of candidates and then go through the database, 
one transaction by one transaction and just add counter in every possible place in here and then say these are the these turn out to be frequent and the others are unfrequent. So the brute force would uh, just uh, generate this uh, item set in the kind of like lattice and say these are all our possible candidates. And now let's go through the database once and add the counter uh, to every uh, item set containing, or in this case, the two, one or the other, or empty. Well, empty is kind of uninteresting. But three different uh, candidates would get the counter by one. Um, and of course, this uh, goes through the database, uh, but still the number of candidates is high, so we have to uh, prune somehow the search space. Um, we have some hope, because we can be driven by data. Uh, these are just other different frequent counting examples. How many words, if you have an alphabet of uh, sigma, say 27 characters in English alphabet, how many different words of length k can we make? 27 by 27 by 27 by 27. So four letter length words, there is 27 to the power of four. Right? Prohibitively expensive. Uh, if you have the DNA or protein sequences, how to count every possible substring that occurs there? The same alphabet, uh, number of uh, characters, the length of the string, uh, but basically a number of possible different characters to the power of length of the string. If we just take the combinatorics as this is going to be expensive, then you would never be able to count the words in, the, in any single book. Yet somehow Google manages to download all the books, all the documents, and index every possible word there is. So we can actually, uh, of course, in the frequency counting, be driven by this data. What is present in the data in the first place? Uh, and how can, how can we somehow uh, and use the data in, the trans uh, in this transaction? Frequent item set mining. Uh, first, we can attempt to reduce the number of candidates. We don't need to use the entire lattice of every possible subset. Uh, when perhaps we can somehow uh, reduce the database, the number of the transactions we use. Um, so while we start counting, we observe that we are only left with few transactions that contain those elements. So we don't need to go through every possible uh, <coughs> transaction anymore, or somehow reduce the number of comparisons, the number of candidates times the number of, of uh, transactions. And now become, uh, well, based on all this introduction, based on all these combinatorics, we will have some uh, first principles. Uh, the very important principle is a priori. Uh, principle, which is the basis of a priori algorithm. And it says that for every x and y that are item sets, 
if item set X is a subset of Y, Y has all the elements from X and maybe something else on top of that. Then the support of X is always larger than support of Y. Always. So what does it really say? It says that we have some item set X that is a subset of Y. So when we have the support of X, uh, if we add something, we demand something more from X. Something else has to be in the same set. Then the frequency drops. Uh, so when, for the smaller set, the support is larger. So that's why it's uh, anti-monophone. It, it decreases, the support will decrease, the larger the item set becomes. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, explained by this. You, have, you want to find the, all the item sets that have Milka diapers, and if, if you would enforce something third on top of milk and diapers, if you enforce the beer, only subset of transactions have this extra element C in them, right? This is the smaller, this is the smaller subset, X is subset of Y, this is, X is subset of that, and of course, the frequency of X is larger than the frequency of Y, right? We demand something extra. Only, only, uh, maybe all of them have the C, but it, it's also possible that we drop out some of those that have A and B. We demand A and B to be present, and now we demand something else to be present. The frequency has to drop. So, once we discover that A and B is not frequent enough by our threshold, None of its superset, superset can be frequent anymore. Right? A and B are not frequent <coughs> together. How could we say that? Let's add some other item in the item set, but that can't be any frequent uh, anymore. Frequent, right? So if we if we find that this is not frequent, then we can eliminate all this part of the search space in one go. A priori algorithm. We start from the smallest sets. Once we hit something that is infrequent, we know that we can prove everything that lies below that. <coughs> so this already says that if we start from the top, somehow start regularly going through the search space, if we need something that is infrequent, then we can stop, at least make sure that we don't calculate any of those anymore. Uh, the second uh, thing in theory is that we, these are all our candidates, theoretical candidates to start with. Um, if you want to count how many times a candidate occurs really in the database, we would somehow take all the candidates and go through the database. Remember, database is so large that 
you can't go through that many times. Maybe it's written on the tape archiving system. And then you want to be really sure that you only go through that once or very few times if possible. Of course, nowadays you would not do mining on the tapes, but still think of doing as few passes through the data as possible. Uh, therefore, what the a priori principle also says that uh, let's try to make some uh, reduce the number of these uh, candidate item sets. Once we have uh, counted the single element frequencies, minimum support is three. If coke is only twice, ax is once, then we can reduce those, and no superset of x will ever be frequent, right? So only remains bread, milk, beer, and diapers. So that are frequent in this case, uh, about this threshold. That also says that when we start to make uh, two element item sets, they can be composed only of these frequent one element item set items, right? So what are the ways how we can combine bread, milk, beer, and diapers? Bread can go with milk, beer, and diapers. Bread, milk, bread, beer, bread, diapers. Milk, we already had with the bread. Milk will be with beer or diapers. And beer will be with the diapers. And then we have counted every possible combination of two elements based on, on those yellows. Uh, the bread, milk, beer, and diapers. Based on four cyclotons, we can have one, two, three, four, five, six, two element item sets. And then we have only six candidates. And then we go through the database and count what is the real frequency of those six candidates. And then we observe that two of those are infrequent. And one, two, three, four remains. And their superset could still possibly be, be frequent. Now the question is, what is the next round? We have gone through the single element uh, item sets. We, we now have the gone, well, we have generated the two element candidates, counted their frequency. How many three element um, candidates can there be? Sorry? <coughs> four. Four or one? Okay. Um, can you say four? Uh, can you say some examples? Three elements. Bread, milk, diapers. Bread, milk, diapers. We talk all the time about that. Maybe that is frequent. Okay. Another one. Next one. Beer, milk, diaper. Uh, uh, beer, milk, diaper. So, can the first one be frequent? Possibly looking at the data that you have in there. But what about this one? No. Why not? Because beer is two times. No, beer must be three times. 
What is the problem? Why this can't be frequent? Milk and beer are very much found infrequent. So, we can say that, okay, this is possible, that this is frequent, but we don't know yet, right? Uh, once we generate from the two element item set, we generate the three element item set, then every, every two of them, so first, second, second, third, first, third, should be frequent already, yeah? By leaving out any of the three, we should have the two remaining observed previously to be frequent. So in this case, only this is a potential candidate for the next layer. And then we go through the database and count the actual frequency of built mirror diapers and observe that this triplet indeed occurs on the same three transactions. So the principle is simple. You start with the secret terms, then you generate the, the two element item sets, count their frequency, then based on those two element ones, you see which ones you could combine uh, so that every possible, with which one you can extend to be a three one, uh, three uh, item item sets so that it has a chance to be frequent. Based on triplets, uh, if you start making the four element item sets, uh, then you should have all the trios that leave out one of the four already frequent. So you should have four uh, triplets that are frequent. Uh, each leaving out one of the next generation candidate. So based on those things that are found to be uh, frequent in the previous round, you can generate a subset of candidates and then go through the database only counting the frequency of those candidates. And now we are, we are getting quite far. So instead of having all the possible subsets as candidates, in one, in one pass, we only have the candidates that we have generated. And we need to fill in the counts of, for only those candidates. So if our algorithm starts from item sets of length one, generate every frequent item set of length one, or count every frequent item in the database, and then you add uh, the one by one, the length of the item sets, generate the candidates uh, of length k plus one, based on the, those of length k. Uh, then, then prove those that cannot be frequent, or well, maybe you can combine the two, be somehow clever in here, generate those, those, only those candidates that could potentially be frequent. And then go through the database once and count the actual support for those. And then, uh, by knowing the actual uh, supports, you can eliminate everything that is not frequent. <coughs> and then you repeat. You have now everything that is k plus 1, and then you go to k plus 2. Again, generate all the candidates k plus 2. Go through the database once, etc. 
So this reduces the number of time, uh, database passes. If the longest item set will be seven items, then we only went through the database seven times. And if the database is really huge, this makes uh, a lot of a difference. As long as we can keep most of these uh, counting and generation in main memory, then you don't care. Then you go really through the transaction, uh, add the counts, and uh, uh, do this cycle up to whatever the length will be. Uh, <coughs> of course, there is important step in here that we need to count support for every candidate. We need to know what are the candidates at this round, and once you take the next transaction from the database, we should be able to quickly <coughs> add a counter for every candidate that was on that transaction row. Uh, this, is a this is a little bit technical in here, but this shows one way how to think about that. So we have a large set of candidates. Uh, maybe well, in here it was just one candidate of length three, but you, you could have uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, candidate sets of length 5, for example. And then taking the transaction and counting, uh, well, adding the counter for each one of the candidates uh, can be uh, quite, uh, quite a task. So we better have some way to hash every possible uh, candidate. And when we go through the database, by this hash structure, or somehow by some indexing structure, indexing the candidates, we should be able to add the counter uh, <coughs> to exactly correct candidates. Um, so this is the length of the database, size of the database, and this is the, the number of uh, candidates of length that uh, came here. But at this one round of certain length, uh, K candidates. Um, so I, I'm just showing one of those ways. So if there are 15 candidates of item sets of length 3, these are 15 candidates, possibly we should uh, be able to count all the frequencies of all these uh, three, uh, 15 candidates. So how to, how to uh, efficiently allocate those in the, in the hash structure or buckets is in this case, it's kind of like a hashing tree. If the first, if the first element is one, four, or seven, you go left in the tree. Uh, if it's two, five, or six, uh, eight, then you go uh, straight below or to the right. So just have three-way three, so that every subset ends up in, in some prime. One, two, five, one was left, two was down, five was down, right? One, five, nine, one was left, two was 
uh, one was left, five was down, and uh, nine was right. So this is just a tree structure on top of the, all the 15 candidates. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, takes the 15 subsets and indexes in, in the tree. So those that have 1, 4, or 7 end up in, in those uh, places One, four, seven. Why wasn't this four or seven in? Twos and fives were straight below. One, four, seven. One, four ones are there. Four is seven. Somehow I'm missing at the moment. Uh, why doesn't it highlight this? Uh, these four and seven in here. Oh, there is no branching in here, so it was straight down. Uh, How did we get to one four seven? Sir, how did we get to one four seven from the uh, one four seven? Was one four seven in here? It's not in here. No, it's, okay. it's not in the candidate. We only take care about these fifteen candidates. But if there would be one four seven, it would be one. Four seven. Yeah. One four seven. It's missing. It's not the candidate. We only list uh, the candidates. Two five eight three six nine. So this is a way to just store uh, the candidates. But the true thing is that now we get get the transaction. We we get from the database the transaction that has some elements, and we have to add the counter to every uh, subset of uh, of three. From the candidate list. And 1, 2, 3, 5, 6 is a transaction. And then again, you, you, you somehow think about this as uh, what are all the possible triplets in those 1, 2, 3, 5, 6? They are the one where the, the smallest value is 1, the smallest value is 2, or the smallest value is 3. Once the smallest value is 3, the triplet can be only 3, 5, 6. So once you have three, then three, five, six, right? But after one, you have the two, three, five, six remaining, and now we look at the two, uh, two more, and then it could be two, three, or five. If it's one and five, one and five, then the third one must be six. So this is just uh, going systematically through every possible subset of size three of these five element um, uh, transactions. So we have everything that begins with one and two, one and three, one and five, two and three, two and five, three and five. So somehow we, we, we now take the transaction, one, two, three, five, and six, and should, should go through with this transaction on top of the hash structure that we just generated. So all the transactions that have the smallest element, uh, or, the, or the candidates that have the smallest element 1, by the first principle we should go to the left 3, and then we have 2, 3, 5, 6 remaining, uh, then uh, with the 1 we go there, with the 2 we come here, with the 3 we go there, and have to find the next layer. So 1, 
we, know, we are sure that one must be in all, the, all of the candidates in here. With the one, two, we should go down, and then one, two, three, five, six, uh, five is in here, three is not, five is in, well, three is not, five is here, six is not. So if we go down in here, one, two, only the five will be frequent. Only the one to five was the candidate uh, based on this transaction. So that's where we add the counter. With the one uh, and two. Yeah, th these are the locations where the potential candidates could be, and we can reduce the search space to the correct candidates. Start with the transaction, walk down the, the, the hashing structure, and add a counter to every possible uh, place where this uh, uh, candidate could be. So this is uh, just to make more efficient uh, the counting of the, well, basically go through the database, because then you take one transaction, one row, and have to add the counter to every possible uh, uh, candidate item set. Uh, you could envision, of course, different indexing schemes, different ways how to do the counting, but this is, this is one uh, proposal. Now, when we start actually mining, what affects our complexity choice? Of course, the smaller the minimum support, the more candidates we will find. If we make the support very small, then we will generate all the possible subsets, maybe too many. Uh, so in the beginning, we might want to start with a higher threshold and see how the uh, program performs before we start lowering the threshold. If the number of items in the data is large, larger shops have more items, and of course all the possible uh, subsets, there is just more of those. Database size, is uh, important, but as you can see, a priori makes only the required amount of passes. It does multiple passes, uh, but once it does, you go through the database linearly. Yeah. You make the database 10 times larger, all the indexing is in the memory, you go linearly transaction by transaction. So this algorithm somehow scales linearly in the size of the database, in the length of the database. And then it's important, of course, how many, how many elements on the average transaction. If you have many items in the shopping basket or few, the combinatorics will you have larger, longer item sets or only the small ones. So the denser the data, the more, um, the more item sets you will have. Uh, this is, uh, these are some illustrations. How many candidate items at the read? If the support is 0.1%, the darker one, or 0.5%, the lighter one. So the smaller support means that there are more candidates generated. So this is the number of uh, size of the items at, the, at the, here at size 1, 2, 3. At the 3 peaks, it, it explodes, there will be uh, 3.7 times 10 to the power of 5, uh, this is what, 
30,000 in this case. Um, so the number of candidates increases rapidly. But once we start requiring the frequency, then it, it again drops. And then the larger item says there will be just more of those. Uh, so this is how the number of candidates behaves. Once you prune, apply the pruning, then you have the number of frequent item sets. Many of these candidates turn out not to be frequent. Right? So the number of frequent item sets actually uh, peaks in here. So the combinations of uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, Elements. There, there are many of those. If the support is 0 0.1, uh, you can see it's much higher than, for example, compared to 0 0.2. Already 0.2% or uh, allowing twice less frequent items, item sets, it is close to combinatorial. So this is uh, the 0.2% and 0.1%. So there is combinatorial explosion observable in the data. So if there is a problem with the speed of the algorithm, you apply first the, the more stringent thresholds. The more stringent, the larger support, the less candidates, the, the less frequent item sets you will find. And then slowly, carefully start lowering the, the support requirement. Uh, average transaction width of the number of candidates of frequent item sets. So if the, if the width of the average item set it's, it has 15 elements, then you, have, then you generate many more candidates uh, than if the average transaction width are small. And uh, the larger the width, the more candidates and the more frequent item sets you will find. Again, uh, you can do these kinds of uh, counting on the based on the real data. If you have the data in here, just 15 transactions and 30 uh, items, um, but the problem is it it, it has been made uh, so that. Whenever somebody buys A's, buys all the 10 A's together. When buys B's, all the B's together. Um, the problem is that in here, if, it's, if we just set one third threshold, then every possible subset of the 10 will be frequent. Every possible, every possible um, association rule from left-hand side predicting right-hand side is possible. Yeah? At 100% confidence. Um, so if you have data like this, then all the possible ways to select k out of 10 be the 10 a's, b's, or c's, uh, all of these will be frequent. So if you have some blocks in the data, that all of them are put together, you will have immediate explosion because every possible subset of these has the same support. And, and that brings sort of like the idea that somehow we should be able to, many of those are redundant. Well, obviously, right? You should somehow know that all of these are either bought together or not bought at all, right? But if you if just did a kind of 
self-counting, you would observe all kinds of associations or frequent types. So somehow we need to be able to uh, reduce the representation. Need some kind of compact representation. And now, again, think of this lattice of all the elements. If you find this infrequent, nothing can be frequent below that. Once you set the once you set the minimum thresholds, what we really care about somehow we would really love to have is, for example, this item set. This item set is frequent by our standards, but its supersets are not anymore. So this is the last frequent item set. The most frequent item set, the largest item set above our thresholds, so that when you increase it even further, they are not any more frequent. So these are called maximal uh, maximal item sets on the border of frequent versus infrequent. And somehow the combinatorial search could be aimed identifying at those elements in here, because every subset of those elements, if this is frequent, then that means every subset of VCDE must also be frequent. Okay? Somehow, the goal would be somehow to find those that are on, lay on the border of our threshold. So these are maximal ones on the border, <coughs> you can uh, define more, sort of like item set is closed if none of its immediate supersets has the same support as item set. What does it mean? Immediate superset, you add one more element into the item set, and none of those has the same support as item as the, uh, has the same support as this original item set. Um, if, you look, if you think in here, you have the three that are frequent. When you add something, it has exactly the same frequency, right? All the three are in these uh, five rows. You add one, you are still on the same five rows, right? You can add, and none of the supersets has smaller frequency. So the closeness means that uh, uh, it's kind of kind of like on the border, but if you, if you start adding something, they will all decrease the frequency. And on the border, of course, it is on the border when you add something, and this is not any more frequent. It has smaller frequency than this original item set. So this is a closed and on the border maximal item set, AC. Uh, but you, you can apply this throughout the entire lattice. So D occurs in, in transactions 2, 4, and 5. Uh, DAAD occurs 2, 4. You drop 5. Uh, what is next? BD occurs only in 2. You drop two and uh, 4 and 5. CD, you drop something. So this is closed because whenever you add something extra, their frequency becomes smaller. 
So in here, this just lists the transactions. So, so the frequency in here is three. Uh, this has two, this has one, and this has two. So on this lattice, you can identify those uh, closed but not maximal, closed and maximal. In a way, the, the closed and maximal item sets, one, two, three, four, really somehow define the entire search space. Everything below them is infrequent, everything above them is frequent. They are somehow the most important guys in this uh, lattice. And also later, when you have the rules, maybe, maybe you can focus on those uh, uh, subsets um, first. Maximum frequent item sets is only a small subset of all the closed frequent item sets uh, that is a subset of frequent mm -hmm. item sets. So closed ones are the ones that somehow when you add something new, the frequency will drop. Um, so we, out of all the combinations, we can somehow focus on the smaller subset uh, and get rid of all the combinations on top of them. Okay, so, so again, this is a lattice, singleton elements, single element item sets, two element item sets, etc. This is a structure from which we should somehow, a priori went one length, length two, length three, and then knowing what are the candidates of length four, and only counting those, right? But you could think of this lattice going going uh, from top down, or from empty to, to uh, the, from the smaller to the longer. You could think of going the, the other way, starting from the largest item sets, going up, identifying the border, or you could think of some kind of uh, hybrid approaches on top of this lattice structure. From general to specific, specific, these are more specific to general or bidirectional. So that's that's what this kind of lattice thinking can, can give you. How do we search the search space? Uh, on top of this lattice, uh, you can like 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 this is like a graph structure, right? But you can do the tree search when you go through the graph. You usually uh, go like uh, through the tree. You can go depth first. A with A starts with A present. A B A C A B. A A B A B C A B C D. You go depth first down. You back backtrack. You go to the other branch. You backtrack. You go to the other branch. In this way, in the the first depth first traversal, you have sort of like a prefix tree. Every possible subset, you can list those in a tree-search-like way as a prefix tree, starting with the uh, item sets containing A in alphabetic order. Uh, prefixes on the symmetric on the opposite side, it's like a, a suffixes. Yeah, you, you could start the, the same, but in the reverse alphabetic order. Then you would, then you would have all with the Ds, So these are symmetric cases. Uh, so in the lattice, you can go depth first, 
as deep as possible, backtrack, next branch, next branch, or what we did with a priori, you can do breadth first. The first layer, the second layer, the third layer. One element item sets, two element item sets, three element item sets. So that's the relationship to the uh, graph search, tree search. Just how do you go through the data in which order? In our case, we go through the possible item sets and just keep counting the frequency of each one of them. And the idea is to stop to prove the search phase as quick as possible. <coughs> okay. Um, in the computing, as you know, you can do the same things in many different ways. Um, we can think differently, for example, thinking how to represent this data by traversing it. Uh, instead of transaction having these items, what about having which transactions contain A? A is present in transactions 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. A is present in these transactions. B is present in those 2, 4, 5, 9. What would that give us? Which transactions have A and B? If these are, if these are sorted, then you should recall the merge sort. You have two sorted lists, and you merge the two lists by going from the head to the tail, observing one, well, four and four match, five and five match, six, seven, eight, nine, and nine match. Four, five, and nine. A and B occurs in four, five, and nine. And this is suddenly immediately much sort of like quicker, in, in a way quicker. A and B is four, five, and nine. And you could say, okay, let's remember A and B can be. And these are only two, three, five, nine. If you wanted to have A, B, and E, we have only four, five, nine, and E, and it turns out that there is no match. A, B, and E is now in no transaction. Is this true? A, B, and E. Well, based on A, B, we said that four, five, and nine have A and B both, and compared to E, there is no match. Right? Therefore, A, B, and E is not in the database. So you can take the same data, twist it, turn it around, and do the same operations in slightly different manner. And now it depends on the, on, the, on the properties of the data. Is this way, is the, is the algorithm represented in this way, is that more efficient or not? Remember the databases are huge. So therefore, we somehow assume that transactions, many transactions contain elements. But maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, occasionally it's worth presenting data in this way. So this is one way. The second way is uh, what is called FP growth, FP tree, frequent pattern tree. 
so this goes through the database somehow and tries to put every transaction immediately into the into the tree structure, index the entire database in main memory so that we can later read out the frequent item set. Uh, so why do we need something like that and not a priori? So a priori is, is problematic if the data is very dense. You have many... Well, if, if you think of the supermarket, you have thousands of products, but you, you only buy 10. Right? It's a very... Uh, very uh, sparse data matrix. Uh, but you could, maybe the case of supermarket is kind of stupid idea, but you could think of, of items in the, shop, in the set as one and not in the set zero. You, you could generate the next uh, item set or, or you could reverse it by saying that I care, I care about these zeros or are not being bought together somehow. Re just reverse ones and zeros. And then it becomes very dense. And then, then lots of uh, different item sets are frequent. Um, so when there are lots of items, no minimal threshold, uh, support thresholds, long patterns, a priori does not scale well for those cases. Uh, and of course, the powers of two will Coming to the play, how many different uh, subsets and what are, which ones of those are expected to be frequent, etc. So, FP3 has a database, transactions, and goes through the transaction and inserts that in the tree. This tree looks like a tri data structure used in the text indexing, tri is retrieval. A, B. A and B is in the tree A and B. So if there is another transaction A and B, it is exactly the same. It just added on. A, if the next one would be A, B, then you would have A twice, B twice. A, B occurring twice. Like a prefix of this uh, item set. The first transaction A, B is in here. The next one is obviously starts with a B. This starts with A. So B, C, D. And one transaction, another transaction, the count of BC is once. And now the trick is that both of them contain B. So for B, we generate their link so that we can actually count how many Bs there is. One plus one. Twice. And then you can take the A. A is present, count twice. C is missing. A, C, B, E. One, one, one. And from C, you have to link there. Therefore, for C, occurs twice. So we can take the transactions one by one and immediately overlay them on top of this frequent pattern tree. Uh, first, second, a, C, D, E, and you keep doing this, and all of the transactions end up in this tree structure. We have listed all transactions in this FP 
3. <coughs> A occurs 8 times. Alphabetic ordering always, the if the first element is 8, then A is 8 times. B occurs, we need to identify this, but 5 plus 2, 7 times. C occurs 3 plus 1 plus 2, 6 times. In the transactions A, C, D, E, B, C, D, B, C, E, etc. So basically, taking the transactions and somehow overlaying them in the, in the, in the tree. From these trees, it's now somehow possible to actually uh, generate every possible subset. Uh, um, I'm improvising how frequent is subset E and C or C and E you could somehow think that C's are Subtree here has C, subtree here has C, subtree here has C, and then you should go through the subtrees and identify E, right? How many of these subtrees have E? Or you could uh, think that, okay, E is, is, uh, is the last enough, let's, let's look at the tree, and let's look which have E's. One, two, three, and their paths to the root, right? These are the only three transactions that have E. If we could take this tree, but project it to only these three locations, three paths towards the root, then we observe one, and two cases where E and, sorry, E and C occur together, one, yeah, in here and here you have C. So twice we have E and C, uh, this C is twice, but this is once with a D. So EC occurs twice in the entire database. Is this true? A, B, B, C, D, EC is in here, and EC is in there. So if we can go through the data base, try to put everything in the index structure, and count the frequencies of every possible subset from here. So that's why it's called frequent pattern uh, tree that we can somehow grow the tree. We went in the order A, B, C, D, E. We could have reversed alphabetic order and go E, starting with the E, the B, C, D, A. The same procedure, uh, but now the A's would be in here. The last one, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times eight. It's the same data, just different order. The tree is slightly larger. What is the right ordering? Well, the alphabetic ordering part is arbitrary, right? What is the right ordering of transactions uh, for this kind of FP tree growth? What, what is the desirable 
I showed you two of ways, this one and this, which way is the desirable way to order those transactions? Yes? The one with the maximal, um, the first one with the maximal, oh, in front, uh, then the, the yeah. item with the maximal so, should be in front. We know that the first, if, if the most frequent element would be on the left, the first one, right? Oh, yeah. That somehow allows us to compact all the data the most. A is the most frequent. All the eight cases where A occurs go through this path. So we can take the database, count individual frequencies, reorder the transactions by their frequency, and start the most frequent uh, order, right? And that somehow should make the trick. <coughs> I don't think that this can be exactly proven that this will be minimal, but some in intuitively it tries to compress the tree top as much as possible. So this is a very simple heuristic, just count the frequencies and go by the most frequent to the left, or basically in this order, and this somehow makes the smaller trees. Large trees are not so nice. But nothing is wrong. You could do exactly the same thing uh, count A and B by looking at these where the A occurs, but now it's frequent, it occurs many times. On every part, just going up, A, B is once, A, B twice, 3, 4, 5, 6. So A, B occurs six times. And compared to this, A, B is 2, 5 in here. Maybe I get calculated something wrong. A, A, B, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yes, 5 times. Everything is correct. Uh, so, so these links in here uh, will be done by some, some pointers. Uh, I noticed that there is a small difference in the database in here. I think the 7 is A and in here is B, C. So the tree is slightly different. But uh, the concept is the same. So you can just have the singleton pointers and then keep pointing through this tree structure. And uh, the, what I intuitively showed you on this uh, E and B, they are kind of the, from the entire big tree, half containing no B, it's like a projection of the large tree. You just identify the, the leaves with the E's, and then projection of the tree, everything on top. So you can somehow decompose a large tree uh, into, into somehow some programs uh, based on what which elements you start to find in the data. Uh, so brevix paths ending in E, every subset with a E can be now identified in this uh, subtree of the larger tree, just projection of the large tree. So it's like a conditional. But if, if, we, if we now take away the E's, all of these parts have E, so we can somehow eliminate those, make even smaller this condition of tree for the E. All these already have the E. So E and B occurs now twice. E and C occurs twice. So we can somehow work with this tree, but conditional to what which elements we are looking at. Um, 
okay, and, and on the tree, then you can uh, look at the frequency item sets containing E's, which item sets there are, which are frequent uh, conditional to E, uh, the least frequent, P, C, D, and A, you can list all of those uh, item sets. E is mandatory here, once we don't have E, then we have B, etc. And the singleton A, A can be also found in all the other item sets, so this lists every possible frequent item set about the threshold. You can start discovering all of those based on the, <coughs> the SP3 uh, growth tree. Well, the, the projection kind of requires an A in every transaction, so therefore you know that every transaction already has the A but becomes empty or projected database for no A what is below A. So BCD did not have A, so projection requiring A makes that subtree empty. But on the MP3 you can you can you can use this. Now that was MP3, but I showed you once uh, this representation. Transactions and items. Item, transaction ID. And the, and the logical operations between A and B, requiring A and B, A B together occurs in 1, 5, 7, and 8. A, B, 1, 5, 7, 8. Now if we require A, B, E, we take the vector for E and do the AND operation for them. So, so that uh, that algorithm is called Eklat uh, uh, that was proposed. I, I didn't have the uh, reference, but that that algorithm was called Eklat. So, a priori, FB tree, FB growth, and Eklat. Three different approaches to do exactly the same stuff. And of course, it depends a little bit on the data, the characteristics of the data, which one of the three will be most suitable in this particular case. So these three algorithms allow us to generate every subset that is with at least this minimum support threshold. But we did not want to find the, only the subsets. We wanted to have the rules. So the, if ABCD is frequent, then we can generate all kinds of rules on top of that. Right? Which ones of ABCD is on the left and on the right? From ACD, B, or from C, ABD. And of course, even, even if ABCD is frequent, you can still obviously the number of rules in here is again combinatorial search because you can be either on the left or on the right side. For every item you can have two choices, zero or one, left or right. 
If nothing is on the left, you have from empty set predict all the four. If nothing is on the right, you don't have anything. So basically, you have two to the power of k minus the two that make either the left hand side or right hand side empty. So the problem is that confidence, but we have this, we have guarantee the support. But now we are look which rule is the most confident out of this sentence here. Uh, the confidence does not have this uh, anti-monotone property in the sense that from ABC uh, predict B, ABC can be a better predictor for B or worse predictor for uh, for B compared to AB. So there is no guarantee of being this uh, this monotonic monotonicity between the uh, between these uh, uh, rules ABC AB both predicting B confidence can go up or down. However, if you have, if you have the same item set, if here it's ABCD and ABD. If you fix to the same A, B, C, D items, four items, then the confidence for A, B, C predicting B, A, B predicting C, B, A predicting B, C, D, so moving elements from left to right will lower the confidence. Confidence in this setting will be uh, anti-monotone with the respective numbers of items on the right-hand side of the rule. So we put more things on the right side, and it will confidence will start decreasing. Um, do we have the, I think I have the example in here. So what does it mean? From BCD predict A. Uh, BCD. Uh, the supports for BCD and A are all, always the same, right? So, so we make a kind of the, the same kind of lattice, but now on the uh, right hand side, ABCD is what we are looking at. At the right hand side is empty, there is exactly one, two, or three elements. So let's go down this path. We put BCD A on the right hand side. What is the confidence? Uh, what was the formula for the confidence? Support for A, uh, B, C, D is always what is known, right? But what is the, conf what, what, what is the confidence uh, of the rule? It was support of A, B, C, D over the support support of the left hand side. What is the fraction? What is the fraction of ABC and D out of these that have ABC? Right? So this is a confidence for 
A, B, C follows B, right? Uh, what is the confidence for A, A B, C, D follows A, B? It's A, B, C, D, but now support of I should have it here, B, C, D. That was this highlighted one, right? B, C, D. A, B, C, D over the C, D. C, D and C, D. So this support is the same. What about these two supports? We knew that support of that will be less than support of this. This is larger value. This is larger value, therefore, this will be smaller than this one. Right? So the subset will be smaller than the. Sorry? So subset will be smaller than the. Yeah, we have these four elements, and now it depends what do we keep, uh, what do we keep throwing on the or leading on the on the left hand side. If this not, does not have high enough confidence, then none of these can have high enough confidence. From if, if from B C D we can't predict A, then from C D or B D or B C we can't predict A and B either. Um, so, you can start with the frequent item set and try to see what are all the different uh, ways I can generate rules. And when you set the uh, confidence level uh, high enough, then you, in the similar kind of lattice structure, but now looking at one uh, subset at a time, you can make the decision that none of these could be uh, high confidence if our threshold was in here. So we can again eliminate uh, this uh, in the rule generation phase uh, lots of the possible rule. And uh, like we did the candidates in the subset case, uh, somehow in here we can also make the uh, candidates CD predicts AB, BD predicts AC, so D predicts AB and C. Join the two candidates into this one, and we can prove this if A B follows B C. A B implies B C is not in here. Um, so if if A B implies B C is not in the candidate, if in frequent or high confidence, then this can't be. Uh, High confidence either by by this thing, but now we would work uh, for one frequent item set at the time, uh, left hand side, right hand side. Um, okay. Um, <coughs> So what is left to do? Um, 
First, we may observe that um, items are bought at different frequencies. So expensive items are bought uh, less frequently, obviously. Um, so few items will have a very high frequency, um, and some exotic, more exotic things will have low frequency. And it's very hard to set uniform frequency distribution uh, uh, cutoffs, uh, let's say, at, in here, at least 500 times. You will totally ignore all the items that have smaller frequencies. So somehow, saying that there is a one single uh, cutoff is a little bit robust. And uh, you could think of the cases where we, where we care about the milk only if it's in 5% of the cases. But salmon, more expensive, more profitable, let's look at 0.5% uh, frequency threshold. So 10 times less frequent. Uh, but we, we will still be care, uh, uh, interested in, in rules involving salmon, even if it's less frequent uh, than the, the milk. So therefore, uh, somehow, uh, the, what happens if we set different thresholds for different products? Uh, it turns out that it's possible now that you will, that this anti-monotonicity will be somehow uh, broken because milk and coke. It's 1.5%, it's not frequent, milk and coke, 3%, 5%, these together somehow is 1.5%. We say that this is not interesting, but if we were really care caring about properly at 0.1%, then if frequency of milk, coke, and broccoli would be 0.5%, for the broccoli that would be five times more than our support, right? Minimum support. Somehow we would miss this because we already said that milk and milk together is not frequent. Adding broccoli would make it frequent, but two together said that no, we don't care about milk and milk. So this is this is a little bit more complicated case. Uh, so, but it's possible to to somehow then solve, uh, look at these different uh, subsets. See how to eliminate them, uh, what is the minimum support threshold for each product, and therefore the, the combinations of them. Uh, so there could be different minimum support uh, thresholds. So that requires to modify a priori so that uh, uh, the frequent items, F1 uh, set of items would support this uh, over minimum support of one, the smallest of the elements. Uh, so somehow, by taking care of these different thresholds, we, you can still modify a priori to potentially generate every possible subset uh, that, that uses these different varying thresholds. Um, again, we start from the simple principle, say that this is how we can do, but when we immediately that we demand something extra, that may demand also us rethinking exactly how the priori would work in this case. Um, I don't think that these uh, R uh, implementation, A rules, uh, or some standard implementations would immediately support this kind of varying thresholds for different items. Uh, okay, so 
we sort of covered this uh, algorithmic part that uh, we need to count the frequency of item sets and saying that if we, if you have the good thinking in the terms of uh, combinatorics, the lattice of all the subsets, the tree search algorithms, different ways how to go through the, the, the search spaces, then we can count the frequencies of item sets. And we can generate the rule. The problem is that that we can generate lots of rules, and we have not said anything about how how do we become smarter because of those rules. Which of the rules are interesting, more interesting than the other? Uh, and the problem is, uh, unfortunately, we have to leave it to the next uh, week. But the problem is that. Once you have large enough data sets, by random chance you will generate all kinds of crap out of the data. By pure random chance, because you have a lot of data, there will be lots of crap that by necessity will come out. Uh, like, uh, and of course humans are very good at detecting patterns, surprising patterns. Of course this was planned according to the very precise thinking that let's make this ley line, the line of the rows in the movie, or well, the, the, the Da Vinci code, right? There are some ley lines, important things on the single line. Uh, so all, all the cathedrals, everything that have been carefully planted along this line, right? Or look at Woolworth's uh, super source, how they have planted their stores in the UK, in England. This is really mysterious, right? They must have some grand plan in there. These are 80 points, you know, 137 random points. And if you require four points to be on the same line, and four point alignments, you get 80 of them. Just random points, you get many of them. From data, you can generate lots of randomly important things. You read the Bible, and you find the music of Bible code in them. So you can enumerate every possible president of the United States of America from the Bible by carefully looking where the code is here. So, so that is a problem. You will, you will generate lots of different patterns, and you don't know which ones are spurious, which ones are the true. And therefore, in the next topic, it's really about, about really trying to understand how to say if this rule would be good or bad. Yeah, so far we have touched this uh, support count and confidence, uh, but how to do some, some statistics, uh, statistical assessment of these kinds of uh, things. How to say which rules are really uh, more better than the others. And maybe you want to have some templates that I really care only about the broccoli-related rules. I don't care about how the how the mustard is being sold. I care about the broccoli. So if you can think of that data analysis now taking the another dimension. But more about that next week.